The following program contains language and subject matter that you may consider unsuitable for children. Parental discretion is advised. Greetings, Earthlings. This is Captain Smellsogood of the Starship Smelly Prize with my international co-host, Sayonai. And while we're not soaring through the cosmos looking for alien chicks, we're hanging out in the nuttiest head on and off the internet. That is the jackal head. Are we ready to blast off? You are about to enter a new dimension in sound. Raise your hands up You are listening to uh, His Highness the Jackal. I'm going to pass the reins to Mr. Jackal, the new king of radio. What the heck happened last night? Hang on to your hats because you're about to go on a heck of a ride through time, space, and the multiverse. How do I reach these kids? Atlanta, Georgia, Greensboro, North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, Chicago, Tampa, Florida, Miami, Dallas, Texas. I don't care where the city is. How do I reach these kids? And with all the high-tech gizmos these days? The biggest trick the Jackal ever pulled was to convince the world that he doesn't exist. I reach these kids. And welcome everybody to Inside the Jackal's Head here on PSN Radio and the world famous SoFlo Radio tonight. We have with us ufology legend Mr. Stephen Bassett who's going to be on the show for a good hour. And we're going to be talking about all kinds of kooky, crazy things within the world of ufology. All the strangeness that's in the world of ufology. But you know, today marks a really sad day within the world of ufology. We've lost a legend. Jesse Marcel Jr. has passed away today. Now, for those of you who might not know who Jesse Marcel Jr. is, he is the son of Jesse Marcel Sr., who was one of the leading men at the wreckage of Roswell. He was one of the people that recovered the wreckage. He held the wreckage in his hands. In fact, Jesse Marcel Jr. was probably one of the last people on this planet to actually hold some of that wreckage that we might know of. A very, very sad day in the world of ufology. A very sad week in general. In fact, this whole week has been filled with death. Starting with uh, this past week when we lost Kevin Smith, radio legend, an all-around great guy, good friend of the show here, by the way, and really somebody who was becoming that next big voice within the world of ufology. Personally, I had a friend of mine uh, who I've known for about a good year and a half, two years, pass away this past week on the 17th. Somebody who you might not know of, but a great artist and a very inspirational person, Joseph Adams, passed away on the 17th. Now, Joseph Adams was an artist, like I said, he, he suffered for M, from MD, muscular dystrophy, and 
he was able to, to live his dream and, and do artwork for books and all kinds of really neat stuff. And he actually had approached me recently about working on a movie project with him, which I you know I wish we could have gone to actually work on. Uh, he will definitely be missed. Rest in peace to Joseph Adams. And rest in peace to Kevin Smith. And again today, rest in peace to Mr. Jesse Marcel Jr. And it's, just, it's a really sad day when people pass away but we all pass away and that's the unfortunate nature of life we you know life will go on life will continue but these three men really brought a lot to the world and they're not to be forgotten this next couple minutes is dedicated to Jesse Marcel Jr. Joseph Adams and Mr. Kevin Smith this song's for you guys Riders on the Storm Riders on the Storm. Man, I'm going to miss those guys. I really am. Kevin Smith had an amazing show. If you guys haven't checked out the Kevin Smith show, um, do go so really go online, go on Google, you know, Google it, Kevin Smith show. Now, I'm not talking about the director Kevin Smith. I don't want people to get confused. Google the Kevin Smith show and really check out some of his archives. A, a very brilliant talk show host and uh, somebody who I really enjoyed uh, picking his brain when we had him on. The network here on Unraveling the Secrets. Uh, again, uh, really going to miss those guys. Really, really am. But guys, the show will go on. And tonight we have Mr. Stephen Bassett who's going to join with, join us for a full hour. He'll be on here within uh, the next 25 minutes or so. And I'm really excited to have Stephen back on. Steve, of course, is one of my favorite guests to have on this show ever. I, I love Steve Bassett. I mean, if, if anything else, what Steve Bassett does for ufology is unparalleled to anybody else. It really is. He... He is one of the uh, the few people who I could say is a, a, a workaholic and is doing it for the love of ufology. And he really does try to get to the root of what's going on in the world of ufology. And he's not doing it for any self-ego or any propaganda or any 
book he wants to sell. In fact, I don't even think he ever even put out a book. Uh, if he has, I'll be shocked because uh, I really have no idea if he ever has. But uh, Steve Bassett is a political activist and a leading advocate for ending the 67-year-old government-imposed truth embargo regarding the extraterrestrial presence engaging the human race. He is, of course, the executive director of the Paradigm Research Group, which recently uh, produced a citizen's hearing on disclosure on the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. Of course, he's known for that. Uh, Stephen has spoken to audiences all around the world about the implications of formal disclosure of the extraterrestrial presence. And, of course, in his advocacy, uh, and his advocacy work has been extensively covered by the national and international media. He is a world-renowned speaker when it comes to this subject. And I love having this man on the show. Again, he is my favorite guest to have on inside the jackal's head. And it's for a reason, because he's a no BS type of guy. He really is. I've had discussions with him in the past about people who I think are hoaxers and people who I think are telling the truth. And he'll tell you straight up, yeah, I think the guy's full of it. Or, yeah, you know, that that, that story right there, that's the real meat and potatoes of what's going on. Like he, There's no BSing with uh, Steve Bassett. And I, I really, really want to thank him when he gets on the show here tonight. Uh, personally, for all the work he's done, for all the work he's going to continue to do, and for you know all the eyes he's opened, because uh, he's opened a lot of eyes, not just myself, but a lot of other eyes within the world with the stuff that he's helped bring to the public. Uh, so one day maybe they will have disclosure, and uh, maybe it'll be in our lifetime. Just maybe. I hope so. Now I do have a couple of different uh, news that has broken this week that I wanted to get to, some news items uh, that's uh, come out. <laughs> and uh, like everybody's talking about it, so let's just lead the show with the big news of the week, and uh, it's a complete departure to everything that we just talked about in the intro here. Everybody needs to calm down for one second. All right, there's been a complete overblown reaction to this whole Ben Affleck playing Batman thing. Uh, apparently, fans are so outraged that death threats are now being sent to Ben Affleck. Death threats. Now, don't get me wrong. I think he's completely wrong for the part of Batman. But when you are having death threats sent to an actor for accepting a role, that's when you know something is not right with the fan community. There's no need for death threats, people, so calm the hell down. That's right, this past week it was announced by Warner Brothers that Ben Affleck will be playing the Dark Knight himself, Batman, in the new movie coming out in 2015, Superman vs. Batman, which is going to star Henry Cavill returning to the role of Superman. Now, when it comes to a character as old and popular as Batman, everybody has an opinion. Following the announcement that Batman Superman movie was in the cards for Warner Brothers, we knew that there would be some debate over the uh, studio's pick for the role of Batman. And director Zack Snyder, you know, is the one who went on the limb and agreed to cast Ben Affleck. So, you know, this is this is something that I think people again are going a little bit overboard on. Uh, there, there was a lot of people out there that wanted a certain actor. They didn't, you know, expect for it to be Ben Affleck, but I think people are taking it just a bit overblown. Like I said, you know, when death threats are being uh, thrown at somebody over a simple movie role, that's when, you know, uh, people got to start taking a step back. They really do. Now, 
with that said, though, man, it's really bad casting. It really is terrible casting. Uh, I mean, this is, some people are saying this is as bad as Nicolas Cage being cast for Superman. I think that's pretty damn accurate, actually. It's that bad. But again, we we got to wait and see, guys. There's no need to start attacking or sending death threats to anybody. Just no need for it. So, with that said, let's move on to the next news of the week. Uh, we have here Star Wars news. Uh, speaking of 2015, Star Wars Episode Seven, of course, is going to be released on 2015 as well as the Superman Batman movie in. Guess what? Star Wars Episode 7 will be shot totally on 35mm film. J.J. Abrams to reunite the Star Trek cinematographer Dan Mendel for this project, and uh, they're going to shoot it in 35mm. Now it says here, as we move closer towards an eventual production start date for Star Wars Episode 7, director J.J. Abrams is working to build up his crew for the highly anticipated sequel. We already know that Abrams Star Trek uh, custom designer Michael Kaplan is uh, crafting the film's costumes, and John Williams himself is on board to provide the score. Yes! Now, Star Trek cinematographer Dan Mendel has apparently revealed that he will be shooting Episode 7 on 35mm film, no less. And uh, folks over at BobaFettFanClub.com are reporting that the news of Mendel's involvement was announced earlier this week at an industry event in Los Angeles. Mendel also served as a uh, cinematographer for both Abrams' Star Trek films and Mission Impossible 3 movie. But before you start crying foul over the lens flares, I'd say it's safe to assume that Abrams and Mendel are developing a wholly different look for the Star Wars universe. Abraham is, or Abrams is uh, very uh, much aware of the fact that he will be directing films in two of the biggest sci-fi franchises of all times. And it's reasonable to assume that he likes to distinguish the two properties as much as possible. So don't expect lens flares, I hope. Maybe he'll give us just one or two just little, eh, little push there. Cause he, he loves lens flares, man. It's it's crazy. If you want to see a guy, you know, use lens flare on everything, watch a J.J. Abrams movie. Now, since you're more exciting, though, is the news that Abrams and Mendel will be shooting Episode 7 on film. See, George Lucas uh, famously switched to digital on Attack of the Clones and then Revenge of the Sith, and the results were less than, you know, pleasing, really. Uh, digital has come a long way in, in ensuring in the uh, ensuing years, but th- this decision is yet another signal that Abrams is trying to really bring the series back to the roots of the original story. As development continues, expect to hear more cast and crew announcements. In the upcoming months, Star Wars Episode 7 expected once again to be released in 2015. Now, there's also they're also saying, by the way, that it might not see the May 2015 release, which has been standard for all Star Wars movies, but Star Wars might be a December movie this time around. Can you imagine Star Wars in Christmas? Kind of weird, right? A little odd. Kind of used to having Star Wars in the summer. But, hey, it's different. Uh, This is uh, the future, and uh, we're going to see Episode 7. That's all that matters to me. I remember months ago, uh, on this show and on another show, uh, actually, I think it was the Movie Troll Insanity show, where I said this is way before even Abrams got on board, before Lucas even mentioned Episode 7 or that he was going to sell to Disney. I remember talking to the guys and saying, 
that I didn't want episode 1, 2, or 3 as a fan. I wanted episode 7, 8, and 9. That's the one I wanted to see. And we're finally getting them. Happy about that. Finally. Very happy about that. And uh, 35mm film, huh? No digital. That's going to be a plus also, because digital, again, looks great. It's nice. It's come a long way. But there's something about actually using film. That you can't get away from And of course the original Star Wars movies Were all shot on 35mm film So that in itself is a beautiful return Now Ex-wrestler and Well I guess you, you can still call him a wrestler Hulk Hogan, the Hulkster Hulkamania, you guys remember him from the 80s and 90s And uh, 2000s and Well he's been around for a while But uh, he really likes to aim high Now there, there is in development Apparently a biopic On the life of uh, the Hulkster and it says here that the Hulkster really likes to aim high. See, the wrestler told the Cape Breton Times that he wants uh, none other than Thor himself, Chris Hemsworth, to play him in the biopic. He said, and I quote, We need a serious, serious actor that knows what he's doing. Brother! Well, he didn't say that brother part at the end, but uh, said Hogan. A biopic is still in the very early stages, and Hogan saw four, a four-page treatment, and he approved it recently. Another Hogan News ex-wife, Linda Hogan, pleaded guilty to driving drunk and blaming, of course, blaming the ex-hubby for her driving drunk. Man, that family is so dysfunctional. You know, Hogan really lost me a few years ago when his son crashed the car and his best friend of how, I don't know how many years, ended up in a wheelchair forever uh, as a vegetable. And then Hogan and him like were like trying to play it off in a phone call. And they were like even joking about it. At one point, Hogan was like, "Yeah, well, you know, brother, uh, this uh, this kid kind of brought it on to himself, you know, brother, because uh, he always had a bad attitude, brother. And brother, I can't believe this, uh, brother. Uh, we're going to jail, brother. And uh, no, no, don't worry, brother, we'll get out of it. You know, when when I heard that kind of crap from Hogan, I was like, you know, this guy is a pompous asshole. Really is just a complete jerk. And I, you know, I've never been a fan of his since. And I used to be a huge Hulkamaniac." I used to eat my vitamins and watch wrestling as a kid, and I loved the Hulkster. I loved, you know, wrestling as a kid. Not no more. No, I'm just not a fan anymore. And Hogan lost me again with uh, that whole BS with that kid. Uh, and now they're making a movie about it. Really, do we need to see a movie about Hulk Hogan's life? I mean, is America really wanting to see that? You know, make a movie about Bret Hart or, hell, Owen Hart. Make a movie about Stone Cold Steve Austin or... Yeah, the Rock deserves a biopic. He's been an amazing uh, person to follow the last fifteen, twenty years. But really, Hogan—I mean, his life is really not that interesting. Really, really is not. And I think there was already a cheap type of bio movie that, or biopic they made of him a while back, or it was I don't know if it was a TV show or I don't know what it was or a little mini series. But there was something about Hogan as a kid. I remember seeing that a long time ago, and it was garbage then, and I'm sure this is going to be garbage now. So really, we do not need Hulk Hogan's biopic, but we're gonna get it. So Chris Hemsworth, huh? Chris Hemsworth, he wants Thor to play him as a kid. Crazy, huh? Thor, can you guys see that? I, I can't. I mean, can you see uh, Thor with a big old Hogan mustache? Huh? I really can't. Personally, I, I don't see it. That might be as bad casting as uh, Ben Affleck for Batman. That bad. Now, former Secretary of State Colin Powell 
uh, and this is completely going into a completely different direction here, uh, called for called the jury verdict that uh, declared... Uh, let me go back here. Former Secretary of State Colin Powell called the jury verdict that cleared the killer of Florida teenager Trevon Martin questionable and urged President Barack Obama to speak more on issues of race during, during an interview that aired Sunday. The first black chairman of the Joint Chief of Staff said that Martin... Uh, the Martin verdict uh, soon would be forgotten and uh, said that Obama and all presidents have a, a responsibility to discuss the nation's history of racial injustice. Powell spoke at, a, at, a, at Washington, uh, spoke uh, as Washington marked the 50th anniversary of Martin Luther King Jr.'s march that included the iconic I Have a Dream speech. Now, that quote here, he said, if Dr. Dream, if Dr. King was here, I'm quite sure he would say, congratulations to all the progress that's been made, but let's keep going. The dream is not fully achieved yet, said Powell, also the first uh, African-American to serve the nation as Secretary of State. Asked about the uh, Martin killing, Powell questioned its impact on the uh, civil rights discourse. A Florida jury found George Zimmerman uh, acted in self-defense and acquitted him during the criminal trial. And he said, I think that it will be seen as a questionable judgment on the part of the ju uh, judicial system down there, but I don't know if it will have staying power, Powell said. These cases come along and they blaze across the midnight sky and then they're, after a period of time they're forgotten. That doesn't mean Obama should keep silent, though, Powell said. And he continued, I'd like to see him be more passionate about race questions, Powell said of Obama, whom he endorsed during the 2008 and 2012 presidential elections. For the president to speak out on, of it, it's appropriate. I think all leaders, black and white, should speak out on this issue, said Republican. Uh, the Republican added. Powell said that uh, he didn't fully grasp the civil rights upheaval happening during the early 1960s until he returned from Vietnam. His wife, Alma, didn't share the developments with him from their home in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, and his uh, service blocked him from engaging in any political upheaval. He said that the civil rights era helped blacks more than, than needs to be done. It helps blacks, but more needs to be done, he said. He said also, a lot has been accomplished, and we should be very proud of our accomplishments. And that's very true. We do have an African-American president in the White House, guys. So let's not forget that. Uh, Colin Powell is uh, speaking some true stuff, though. You know, all presidents, black or white, need to uh, really uh, continue to push the uh, the message forward of racial equality. And, uh, you know, he's absolutely 100% correct. I think, you know, even Obama doesn't really speak out enough on what needs to be said of racial uh, equality. And was the, the uh, George Zimmerman trial... Uh, verdict questionable? Yeah, I think it was. In fact, uh, this past week, George Zimmerman was seen buying a shotgun at some, uh, you know, gun place. So, uh, you know, he might be in the news again pretty soon for shooting somebody else. You know, uh, I'm telling you. It's funny. Like, I'm all for, you know, the right to have uh, your own gun and to bear arms and the Constitution is great. I don't want him to touch it or anything like that. But if you just shot a teenage kid to death over, you know, a fight that you started. And, you know, the entire country's kind of pissed at you. The last thing you want to be seeing is buying more weapons. Go to Disney World. Stop buying guns, George. For the love of God. For the love of George. <laughs> but anyway, uh, let's see, moving on here. Oh, this is interesting news. Speaking of ufology, since we're going to have uh, Mr. Bassett on here in a few minutes... 
Area 51 has officially been, been acknowledged. That's right. The government has officially acknowledged that Area 51 exists. So no more of the days that, uh, you know, they just laugh it off. <laughs> That's stuff for science fiction. There's no such place as Area 51. <laughs> what are these guys smoking? No, apparently they, they just you know, admitted it. Sierra 51 has long been the topic of fascination for conspiracy theorists and paranormal enthusiasts, but newly released CIA documents officially acknowledge the site and suggest that the area served a far less remarkable purpose than many had uh, had supposed. According to these reports, which include a map of the base location in Nevada, Area 51 was merely a testing site for the government's U-2 and OX CART aerial aerial surveillance program. Uh, the U-2 program conducted surveillance around the world, including over the Soviet Union during the Cold War. Area 51 is about 125 miles north of Las Vegas. It is synonymous, of course, in popular culture with the government's secrecy, and many have theorized that it holds the answer to one of the greatest questions plaguing mankind. Are we alone in the universe? But the newly released documents makes no mention of alien autopsies, rooms, or spaceships, parking lots, or anything like that. Uh, this information will be dis- disappointing to some who have come to view this area as a mecca for the sorts of alien encounters that, of course, we saw in stuff like the X-Files, for example. For those true believers, the existence of alien spacecrafts at Area 51 and the government's attempt to cover up their trace is irrefutable. It has been since reports of an unidentified flying objects or UFOs that began to emerge from the Nevada desert in the middle of part of the 20th century. The map and other documents were released in response to the Freedom of Information Act request submitted by Jeffrey T. Richardson, a senior fellow of the National Secretary Archives back in 2005. Uh, says here, uh submitted the request as part of, a, of his continuing study of aerial surveillance programs and told CNN that he was not given any explanation as why the new documents were less redu- uh, reducted than previous versions declassified by the agency. He points out, however, that the location of Area 51 was not particularly well-kept secret. Its location appears on books and aerial surveillances and is widely referred to in popular culture, of course. In fact, the map was released by the CIA documents mirrors uh, the one of the appears uh, after a simple Google map search of Area 51. So it's you know we all know it's there. We've all known it's been there, but this is the first time they officially acknowledge that it's there. So it doesn't shock me that they have acknowledged that it's there, but it, does, it also doesn't shock me that they didn't you know even bring up the whole alien conspiracy with Area 51. But it's a step, I guess, in the right direction. Now they are at least admitting that there is a place called Area 51. So we're not all crazy, apparently, in ufology. Area 51 does exist. It is real. Now, is it a place where the aliens are kept in little rooms? Like, of course, in the movie Independence Day? Ah, who knows? Probably. Probably not. You know, the U-2 bomber definitely was test flown out there. I remember, you know, hearing for a long time in the 70s and 80s, and, you know, you're hearing reports of people seeing, the, you know, them test flight, uh, test flying these uh, these objects of Nevada. And I'm like, of course, they're test flying the U-2 bomber, and, you know, probably who knows how many other aircrafts we have in secrecy 
that we don't tell the public. Because even if they're not alien technology, we have to have our secret space program. We have to have our secret, you know, programs that control, you know, the kind of weaponry we're going to use in war later on in the future. So guess what? We have to fly all these things somewhere, right? We got to work on them somewhere. You know, it has to be in a base somewhere. And Area 51 apparently is that place. And now it is official. Guys, we'll be right back in a few minutes with Steve Bassett. Stick around. It's not the end yet. We have a lot more show to go. Sandler Show, weekday mornings at 10 on the South Florida Radio Network. Discount Comic Book Service, where you can save 40 to 75% off on new comics, collected editions, graphic novels, action figures, statues, and other one-of-a-kind items from DC, Marvel, Image, Dark Horse, Boom Studios, Top Cow, Dynamite, and many, many more. Go to www.dcbservice.com for easy ordering and fast delivery. Or you can visit our brick-and-mortar location at 10202-C Coldwater Road in Fort Wayne, Indiana. DCBS, welcome home. Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. 
If you're in the market for a luxury pre-owned vehicle, then stop by Prado Auto Sales located at 7300 Southwest 8th Street in Miami. Prado Auto Sales has been family-owned and operated for two generations, and they've been taking care of South Florida since 1964. They work with every major bank and also have in-house financing available, so everyone is approved. Receive a trip for two to a four-star resort with any vehicle purchase. Prado Auto Sales has over 150 vehicles in stock, so call them today at 888-719-5329. That's 888-719-5329 or online at PradoAutoSales.com. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application, Mobile Talk Radio. Imagine having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. You'll be surprised how easy it is to use. So I think what's going on here is that Obama is banking on unemployment falling. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. TalkStream Live now available in the iTunes App Store. The George Rodriguez Show. Who? I said the George Rodriguez Show. You don't know George Rodriguez? Wasn't he the guy that filled in for Neil Rogers? Yes. That George Rodriguez. What's he like? Oh, he's a short little Cuban fella. Kind of funny looking. Well, when's he on? 12 to 3, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on SoFloRadio.com and SoFloRadio.net. The George Rodriguez Show is much more than adequate. everybody welcome back to inside the jackal's head here on psn radio and of course the world famous soflow radio with me tonight is of course stephen bassett the political activist and leading advocate for, the, for ending the 67 year old government imposed truth embargo stephen it's a lot older than 67 years at this point isn't it to the truth embargo as we defined it which is a government policy to withhold the acknowledgement of et reality is only I mean, I don't think it formally is underway until early 53, but it, 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 for all intents and purposes, it's certainly underway at Roswell, you know, starting at Roswell in July of 47. That's why we call it the 66-year truth embargo. I mean, it's arbitrary to some degree, but I think governments around the world have known about the ETs going back before 47. Um, uh, I'm with you. I, yeah. I, I think they're going, I think it goes back a, possibly 100 years, to be honest with you. I think they've known for a long time. So there's something else. I, well, out there. you know, I know. At some, I mean, at some point going back, I don't know if they knew what they knew. Uh, say 1896, did they know some of those sightings were extraterrestrial? I don't know, but certainly, I mean, there's some indications some crash vehicles might have actually gotten into human hands in the 30s. Uh, the Foo Fighters, of course, during World War II. I think some smart people in the government figured out that that there was nothing human about them. Uh, so it's it's hard to know. ETs, I think, have been contacting, dealing with the planet forever, hundreds of thousands of years. Pick any number you want. 
Yep. But as far as we're concerned, the modern era is, starts in 47. And, the, you know, when Ramey is told by President Truman that you're going to announce that was a raw wind weather balloon, uh, that's the beginning of an embargo. That's when they started embargo the truth. Uh, and they had, they, for, they had finally got the thing formalized, I think, by 53 after the Robertson panel. Now, starting right at, right at Roswell, today, of course, marks the, the passing of uh, one of the few remaining men who could be connected back to the Roswell incident. Jesse Marceau Jr. passed away today. And, uh, you know, give us your thoughts on Jesse Marceau Jr. I know that you knew him well, uh, better than I did. I've always wanted to interview the man myself and never got the chance to. Um, well, terrible loss. And this is a hard one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesse Marcel was a fine human being. A uh, basic person, honest, moral, upright man. Uh, just to give you a sense of who he was, I mean, he, he was um, he entered the Navy in '62. He was assigned to some ships, and one of those ships actually was involved in the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, he served in the South Pacific on the ships uh, while there. While in the service, he completed his doc, a lot of his doctor work and medical work. Uh, got his degree and retired from the uh, the Navy in '71, and then set up a practice in Helena, Montana, as a doctor, uh, where he practiced. Uh, I think uh, since '72. Uh, during that period, he was twice married. He he raised eight children, five of his own, three stepchildren. As far as I know, they're all doing well, have good lives. Um, and then he entered the National Guard uh, in 72, and he served in the Montana National Guard uh, until he retired from that in 96, when he was 60. But then in 2004, four, he was given the opportunity to return to duty in Iraq, uh, meaning he was called hmm. up, but he was 60, he was, he was 68. <laughs> and and it, not his health wasn't good, so it, it, it wasn't like he had to go. I mean, he right. was given the opportunity, and he went. And it, he, it, hurt, it hurt him. He he did about two hundred some twenty five hours of combat helicopter duty. Wow! Right again as a medical doctor, he didn't go over and kill anybody. And um, he had to take you know the drugs, you know the, the, the vaccinations. But right, uh, he because of his age, because of his issue. He, this uh, his back was injured. It, 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 it was further injured. So when he was done in Iraq, his back deteriorated very quickly to the point where he couldn't walk. He had to have braces, mm-hmm. and his health simply declined. And uh, sometime, I believe, last night he had a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was alone, uh, and he was found by one of his children when they checked in on him. And there's no doubt in my mind that if he had not gone to Brock, redeployed to Rock under the National Guard and when he was 68 in 2004, that he would probably lived many years longer. This, this is who just Dr. Jesse Marcel was. And his father was, I think, an equally fine man. Mm-hmm. Now, now, why am I telling you this? The reason I'm telling you this is that since the 19, 1970s, when Jesse Marcel Sr. made the decision that he had to come forward and tell the truth about what he knew happened in Roswell, which he had been told to, to lie about right. Right, for national security, mm-hmm. the United States government has done and gone to great lengths to paint both men as liars. Yep, yeah, they have. Yep. 
And these aren't the only military witnesses that have gone through the same thing. But Jesse is, was the best known, but not un- atypical. Uh, but he was best known because, obviously, his connection to Roswell, which is the most famous event in the phenomena in America. And Roswell is certainly the number one threat, has always been the number one threat to the truth embargo uh, for many reasons. And so that, for that reason, of course, uh, Jesse stands out above witnesses like Bob Salas, perhaps, or Bruce Fenstermacher, David Schindeli, and so many others who served in the Air Force, military, you name it. And, but they all basically have done the same thing. They've, they've come forward, whether or not it violated any oaths, it might have violated their, their, their security statuses, I'm not sure. It's hard to know. It varies. Because they felt people needed to know the truth about the ET issue. And the government basically says they're all liars. Because there is no evidence at all for any extraterrestrials. And this, you know, during the Cold War, with all those nukes ready to launch, and the ultimate act of human stupidity prepared to take place on an instant's notice, I sort of get it. That whatever it took, you did because they, in their own minds, the the people that that run the, the national security and make those decisions could not convince themselves that dropping the ET reality into a nuclear standoff like that would be safe. That that it could it could result in a in a way they couldn't understand in triggering a certain instability or paranoia and launch nuclear war and so we'll say. I get it. Yeah, back then, no, back then, I, I've said it many times, Stephen, back then it makes perfect sense that they would do some kind of a cover-up. We well, again, I call it a truth embargo, not a cover-up, but, but I get the policy. But that, right. but the war, that Cold War was over 22 years ago. Right. And since then, rather than, I would say, undergo a, a, an appropriate acclimatization process that wasn't filled with more nonsense. Uh, this issue has been backburnered and treated pretty much with the same level of dysfunction that almost every other issue has been dealt with. Though in the national security arena, I, I consider these people highly competent. I mean, whatever you say, want to say about the NSA, let me tell you, they're really good at what they do. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. All right, and so this 22 years, this truth should have been out, and it hasn't. And the embarrassment to the government, the damage to the social contract has grown and grown and grown. And, and obviously, you know, the price for some people has been high. There's no funding for the work. People have come forward. Their lives are not enhanced. I can assure you that it didn't help Jesse Marcel to come forward in this. It didn't help his father either. I mean, it helped him in the sense that they did what was right. And I know that made it easier for them to sleep at night. No question. But in terms of their own personal lives and, and benefits, no, it didn't help. Same thing for Gordon Cooper. Same thing for Edgar Mitchell. Right. I assure you. Everybody that I know has paid a price. That doesn't mean they're being threatened anymore. That doesn't mean there's harassment. I'm simply saying that there's a price. Hmm. And so every time we lose one of these people, uh, Kevin Smith didn't make it. John mm-hmm. Mack didn't make it. Bud Hopkins didn't make it. And many others didn't make it to see the truth of this, which they have engaged and engaged heavily 
right. finally come out. Yep. Not not because we couldn't figure it out, but because our own government would not tell us, and mm-hmm. our government has known about it for at least 67 years. So this upsets me, and I... Well, well now here's... It should have said everybody listening. Everybody should be upset by the fact that they're being lied to. Consistently well, I mean, by that's, the government. Yeah, that's, yeah, but yeah. we're being lied to so much that now everybody's right. like, gotten used to it. In other words, it's like it's like you you become completely uh, immune almost. Yeah, it. and so you no longer you you start to lose your outrage. Uh, the lies pile up on top of lives, and finally you just give up. Well, mm-hmm. you know, not everybody's going to give up, and we still can win this. But the people are going to have to make up their mind. You see, there's you know, it's a funny thing, uh, Angel, that. Uh, some people don't often think about is that it takes two to make a lie. Mm. One to tell it and another to believe it. And what's been happening is American government for good, some good reasons, some bad reasons, but increasingly so over the last, certainly going back to 64 and the early days of the Vietnam War, the American government is shoveling out lies by the bushel load, and the American people keep believing them. And if that keeps happening, uh, they're going to lose their country. And the ET issue is just one lie uh, amongst many, but it happens to be one that is well-defined and can be easily resolved and could, could start a trend. It could, it could turn things around, which is why I think one of the, one of the many reasons why the disclosure, disclosure of truth advocacy movement is so important. Now, with that in mind, uh, let me give uh, your viewers or listeners rather a a heads up. We'll pre- obviously have to continue this after the break, but I'm going to give them a heads up about something that's not going to be announced for a few more days. Hmm. But it's a big deal. Okay. Um, essentially, PRG is about to launch the third part of this the maneuver that it initiated two years ago to end the truth embargo now. Now, not five years from now, not ten years from now, right now. And that announcement is going to lay out everything that's going to take place and what people can do to make sure it works. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Now, the first, the first part of this, this whole plan started in the September of 2011, as we talked about. We mm-hmm. got a petition into the White House through their project right. on the White House. We got a, they got enough signatures. We got a response to the disclosure petition number one. Info is at disclosurepetition.org. Just go to disclosurepetition.org. This first petition simply requested disclosure that the President of the United States acknowledged the extraterrestrial presence. It got enough signatures, 12,000, that a response was required and came on October the 4th. Shortly after that, by the way, they raised the, the level to 25,000 signatures and then eventually to 100,000 <laughs> signatures. And we've never been able to we, – we've, we've submitted five more petitions. We, we're never able to get that many signatures, so no response was, was, was um, triggered. But uh, each petition remained on the White House website for 30 days. But in any event, the response came on October the 4th. The response is easily to find on the web or disclosurepetition.org. The, 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 for the first time in history, the White House put its position in writing. There's no evidence at all that the ETs are here. There's no evidence of any life outside the planet. No evidence even that the government is hiding anything. These are three complete total lies. Total, complete, 100% lies. Not just mistakes. 
lies. Outright lies. All right. Now, yeah. and they're in writing. Hmm. It's the position of the White House. It's the position of the executive branch of the government in writing, and it's on their White House website right now. Now, after that, we go after those lies. We go after that position. Break it down. Break it up. Ultimately, that would trigger a process leading to disclosure. Now, so phase two begins, and we, and we started submitting more petitions, which, which all pointed to the evidence that they said didn't exist, and that was fine. But the next – that led up to the, the second key component to the strategy was the citizen hearing on disclosure. So that took place April 29 and May 3. Now what happened there, as most people know, is that 40 witnesses from around the world, about a third of them researchers, two-thirds of them military agency political witnesses – were brought to Washington, D.C., to the press club, two blocks from the White House, and they testified just as if they were in a, a, a congressional hearing on, the, on Capitol Hill to not just anybody but six former members of Congress, five Congress uh, persons and one senator, former members, who had who were not just anybody. They, they had 80 years of tenure between them. And this, this was a big event, uh, and it was fully filmed by a LA production company PRG spent $750,000 to do this and what it did was it it put 30 hours of testimony on film in a hearing setting that completely shreds the White House position that there's no evidence and all this was done in front of the media it was covered it was done two blocks from the White House it was done 14 blocks from the from the, 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 the Congress Capitol building, which hasn't held a hearing on this issue since 1968. And essentially, again, again, completely demonstrated for the political media, the, the White House's position is totally, completely false. What are you going to do about it? That was phase two. Now, phase three begins in about 60 days. And this is the third and final move in this strategy. Now, before... I go forward, let me point out something. I spoke to Jesse's daughter today. Okay. And I confirmed what I already knew. Okay. That Jesse and his children were absolutely thrilled that he was able to come to Washington. And in two sessions, two panel sessions lasting three hours, was able to give his testimony to these former members of Congress. Now, he's written a book mm. about it. He's talked about it. He's been in, interviewed over for years. Right. But never has he had a chance to, to state what he had to state. And, his, and two of his children, Jesse, Marcel, the uh, third, and, the third, and yeah. Marcel were there and testifying right. with him. And that this, uh, we were able to get this done before he died because he, that was May, last early May. He only had a couple more months. And so I know that that brought a great deal of satisfaction and closure to him, knowing that that footage was never, ever going to go away. Now, with that in mind, the plan that's about to be undertaken, in fact, the entire three-phase plan, which starts back in September 22nd, as of right now, and it'll be mentioned in it. All of this is dedicated to Dr. Jesse Marcel, Jr., all right, because he perfectly represents 
the average American in a sense. He's not average, mm. but yep. he's a basic fundamental person who led a fundamental life, served his country, honest, integrity, yes. and he just just he just decided, like his father, that he had to speak the truth and support mm-hmm. his father and also say what he knew, even though he knew the government opposed it. So, but he's representative of countless others that would would like to do the same but can't quite as well as those that are coming forward who are lesser known and there are hundreds of them ready to mm. go to congress tomorrow so with that in mind here is what is about to be announced what we're going to do is this the u.s congress has not held a hearing on the et issue in spite of the massive evidence that's accrued since 1968 since 1968 as part of the government shutdown of the whole thing they were under a huge amount of pressure and a number of things were done back then which included holding the basic hearing which which was not i mean it was a hearing there was information given it was legitimate but it was just a single hearing it was done it was over and they were never going to do anything about it right but they held it right it was sort of like we held it so what's your right, problem? right, right. we did then, something yeah the next smoke year, and mirrors <laughs> yeah and of course then they then they lost the condon report right which was set up as a whitewash, and then the next year they closed down Blue Book and, and mm-hmm. basically tried to just exit the whole thing. Right. And it worked for a while. It did. I mean, Yeah, after, no, Blue Book was a very good strategy for them. Was a, that was a perfect way out. And once they closed it, it down, yep. said that that was it. No, no, it we, no, no evidence really that there's a real phenomenon, but right. uh, we're not going to investigate it anymore. Mm-hmm. Then things really quieted down. And, uh, while, and, and MUFON was, was slowly getting started. Which which uh, was uh, was which was the follow up to NICAP, NICAP, which was taken apart by the CIA because it was you know too dangerous to the truth embargo. It was a real problem for them. Uh, MUFON was in its early day stages, and things right. don't really get going again until Jesse Marcel Senior emerges yep. and gets interviewed. Yep. And so that was 1968. Well, what we learned. At the citizen, well, I knew what happened at the citizen hearing on disclosure, which, of course, you can learn tons about by going to citizenhearing.org. See some clips, short clips, as well as lots of uh, other stuff, and and there's lots of video clips on on YouTube. The long ones we're having to take down because we we have copyrights there that have to be honored because we're trying to get this material into multiple venues, and we owe well over a million bucks. So it's it's, it's all over, right? But and one of the things we learned is that these six former members of Congress, three men, three women, three Dems, two Republicans, one Libertarian, basically, very representative of the political landscape, were overwhelmed by the evidence that they heard and saw and asked about in those 30 hours and five days, without exception. And to one degree or another, all of them, I think, want to help. Some more would be more, more, more in a position to do it, and you know, then expect to see them involved going forward. Some of which we can't talk about right now, but they were transformed within within the one day they were. And then it just grew and grew and grew. And what was the message? The message was very simple: that if the United States Congress were to start holding hearings tomorrow, not just a single hearing with five witnesses, forget that. I'm talking multiple hearings, multiple committees, appropriate committees, House, Senate. You've got you've got your space committee. You've got you've got you've got government reform. You've got the intelligence committees and several others, all of which were appropriate, and started and brought in 
the scores of witnesses like Jesse Marcel, the majority of which are former military people, and started listening to their testimony, they would undergo all of those committees – and in some cases, you're talking about committees with 10, 12, 15, 20 members. They would undergo the same transformation that our committee underwent, and the truth embargo would be over in probably 60 days, hmm. which is exactly why every effort to get a hearing in Congress since 68 has been blocked. Hmm. I know of four just myself. They're all blocked. How? It's not clear. Usually it's, I think, somebody in the Intelligence Committee. Uh, and usually these efforts are all kind of private. They're secret. They're behind the scenes, right? It's, but all the efforts to, to get the Congress to do it have all gone nowhere. I mean, that we know that. I'm talking about specific efforts right. with certain members of Congress, all blocked, because th there are those in the know in government that understand that if any hearings are opened up, it's over. The truth mm. embargo is over. Okay, fine. Now, it's also the case that Congress over the last 20 years or so has significantly deteriorated. We understand that. Right. It's having a bad time. We all have bad times, right? So all you're right. in our lives. Sometimes we can go 10, 15 years where our lives can really go to hell, and we finally get it together. So the Congress is going through a bad time. We get that, right? And so where are we? Here is what we're going to do. Finally, and I can only because of the citizen hearing is this possible. Not just that we held it. But it's fully filmed, right? Here is what's about to happen. In 60 days, the fully edited, high-quality DVD sets of the hearing are going to be available. At that time, call it day one, a set along with a letter to the member is going to be sent to every office in the Congress, all 435 representatives and 100 congresspeople, 535 sets. About 10 DVDs a set. So that's 5,300 DVDs. Keep that's in mind. A lot of DVDs. That's a lot of DVDs. Every one of those offices has got about 20 staffers. Every one of those mm -hmm. staffers has a laptop, right? Yep, yep. That wasn't the way it was 20 years ago. It sure is now. Every one of those yep. laptops has got a DVD drive. And so essentially, you got, you got, you got something like um, 20 times 100. It's like, it's like you've got 10,000 uh, laptop computers up there. Every one of them could, could watch one of those DVDs. You get the right. point. So we're going yeah, to send yeah. those out. It's going to take about 14 days for them to get to those offices. And, and the reason for that is because of the special security uh, um, procedures that are required for stuff delivered to the Congress. Everybody understands that. So on day 14, what is going to happen is that Paradigm Research Group is going to announce, essentially, that its registered lobbyist, that would be moi, is going to formally directly re-engage the Congress again for the first time since 2000. In other words, I'm going back into lobbying business here. <laughs> and that these DVDs have been sent with a personal letter requesting that the member or a staffer from each, from the, each of these offices meet with PRG's lobbyist, Steve Bassett, to talk about the content of those DVDs, that, that, those, that citizen hearing, and why Congress needs to have the real hearings as soon immediately. All right? Now, that's just the beginning. At, at 14 days later, right, I, we're going to announce that, okay, that has happened, and we're going to be contacting our full support network, as well as putting out a national press release, and all of the media, probably more media than I've ever done, and we're going to make a simple request of the American people. 
which we don't want them to do now. This is when they get the announcement in about 70, 74 days, that we want you to send a brief note to your two senators and representative as their constituent requesting that they meet with PRG's lobbyist, me, to discuss that CHD material that, that they had received and the need for congressional hearings. That's all. Not just their their representatives. The, the, non-constituent correspondence is generally ignored. It's got to come from their constituent. Right. And so we're going to do that. In addition, we're going to have we're going to bring the Facts on Washington website that's be operating and helping to direct people to do the same thing, plus the media. In addition, shortly after that, right, is going on, they will the, the full House and Senate will receive a letter signed by one or more of the Citizen Hearing Committee people, former members, Congress, requesting that their former colleagues initiate hearings on this subject and review that material and take a meeting with me. In addition to that, a few days after that, they're going to receive a letter signed by all of the witnesses, most if not all of the witnesses from the citizen hearing, plus many other witnesses that weren't there but could have been there, but just couldn't do it, but have, they could testify to Hill. And this letter, I guess you call it the witness letter, is going to request again that the Congress review this material and meet with me to discuss opening up hearings. Now, between now and that 74th day, right, uh, which is 60 days and whatever, uh, I'm going to make an effort to try to get in touch with Jeff Bezos. Okay. Who just bought the Washington Post. Oh, okay. I was going to ask, who exactly is Jeff Bezos? Jeff Bezos is the Amazon CEO who just bought the Post. Oh. Not, Amazon didn't buy the Washington Post. He bought it personally okay. for cash. He paid $250 million in cash. He now wow. owns the Washington Post. Now, why is that important? It's important because the Graham family has owned the Post for a very long time. Mm. And the Graham family had very tight connections to the intelligence community. And the Washington Post has completely failed on the ET issue. There have been a couple of articles that I consider reasonably good. Overall, it's completely gone along with the truth embargo, hook, line, and sinker, as well as a couple of extraordinarily bad articles. In other words, it's just not in the truth business on this issue. Right. And now the, they're gone. Yeah, the, the paper is now owned by a high-tech, uh, high-octane uh, go-getter, world-changer, Jeff Bezos. And wow. he wants to make money, and he wants to make news, and he wants to make history. And I'm going to request that Jeff Bezos agree to publish the witness letter as a full-page public service announcement at no charge in the Washington Post. Now, has he has he in the past uh, been you know supportive of ufology and, and the no. truth embargo ending at all in any way? No, no record of that at all. No record at all. Okay, that doesn't mean anything though. Yeah, right? no, he, you're absolutely right though. He, he that is somebody who might want to really make a mark for himself in this world. So this would be a heck of a way of doing it, Stephen. Right. So we're going to essentially what we're launching there for is a full fledged, sp- broad spectrum. Mm. Uh, lobbying effort directed right at the Congress, not secret, not behind the scenes, right in the open, all right, in which uh, we're going to be challenging the Congress to step up. And we have, we have a very strong message for Congress. Um, like if, if, I, if I, you know, the, the first thing that a member or their staff is going to, staffer would hear from me if we sat down on the Hill is this, that Right now, the U.S. Congress is one of the most dysfunctional institutions in the country, <laughs> and its approval rating is, is, is 
is yeah. at the bottom. E- equivalent to toilet water at this point. It's a laughing stock yeah, in a sense. Uh, people make jokes about it all the time. Mm-hmm. They laugh about us in other countries that don't even have running water. That's how bad it is. You're not doing your job. No. Okay. Here is the most important issue in the world. And hearings is exactly mm-hmm. what should be done to deal with it in terms of bringing the information out. And if you start these hearings, if you start bringing in the scores of witnesses, mostly military, ready to testify, and you start mm-hmm. these hearings, overnight the entire world will be watching you. And your whole situation will turn around immediately. And you will go from being a laughing stock to the cutting-edge institution bringing the truth to the world about the most profound information in the world. And all you have to do is hold hearings. You don't have to all get together, run out on the front of the Capitol steps, and yell the ETs are here. You don't have to have an opinion at all. You just need to hold hearings and let these witnesses speak. Right. That's all you have to do. That is a very powerful message to a body yes. that yep. needs redemption very badly. Mm-hmm. All right. So that gives you a sense. And that's not all. But that is the, uh, the, the, what's going to happen starting at day one when the uh, DVD sets are sent out. And then the letters will start coming in from the constituents. We'll have the letter from our former committee people, the letter from the witnesses, all of these coming into all 535 offices. There will be press releases. And, of course, I'll be doing media, lots and lots and lots of media, in which I'll be repeating over and over and over and over again. The Congress has got the DVDs. We're asking them to look at it. We want a meeting with me, right? I'm ready to meet with anybody at any time. I'll be in Washington, of course. And... uh, We'll see what happens. Now, we know we have friends in Congress. We mm-hmm. know we have yes. friends yep. in Congress who, who know this is important. And believe in the subject, and, yeah. And would be happy to have yep. hearings, except they do not have the platform on which to stand. They don't have mm-hmm. the ability or they don't feel that they could step into the cloakrooms, bring this up, and go anywhere with it. And we want to change that. We want to ch- create a situation where they think they can do that. And once that starts happening very quickly, you have a consensus. And since it's all being done in the open, it's going to be more difficult for, say, a single member of an intelligence committee to simply stop the whole thing in its tracks. Right. And so the goal is simple. Hearings. This year. And once those hearings start, the truth and borrow is done. It cannot survive hearings, multiple hearings with these witnesses. Because when, when those yep. hearings are held... I, I believe they will surpass the MacArthur hearings in terms of the interest worldwide. It will be in the hundreds of millions of viewers. Yes. Right? It's bigger yes. than the Iran-Contra, bigger than Watergate, bigger than McCarthy. Now, no, if they hold one quick meeting, one quick hearing thing, oh, hey, bring three people in, don't announce it, hold it in the back. Yeah, 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 but that, we're not going to let that happen. Right. We're going I to, would hope not. <laughs> man, we got three or four hundred witnesses. We're ready to go. And so... <laughs> This, this is going to happen. In addition to that, XPAC, which has been sort of in suspension, we're launching, re, I'm sort of re-promoting it again. It's PRG's Political Action Committee. Right. And we're going to be encouraging people to, to fund it. Oh, that's uh, very good, yeah. You know, it's non-deductible, but it's and limited to $5,000 a year, American citizens only. You know, it's, but it's not, it's not a super PAC. It never will be. It's just a basic PAC. But if we get it funded, at the same time the hearings are going, the, well, this whole 
congressional approach is going on. We're going to be promoting the fact that XPAC is getting funded, hopefully. This is up to the American people. If they want the truth, they want to help, great. Otherwise, you can sit there and the government will lie to them until they die. Right. But if we get funded, we're going to start giving money. I mean, it's mostly token because you can't give that much. I think the most you give is $2,600 to a candidate. Right. But it's, but it's, it's, but it's, it's, it's very symbolic. And it generates the press. We will give some money to any candidate in the federal 2014 election that is willing to step forward and call for hearings. Hmm. So that will be going on. There you go. That's right? one way of doing it. Put it, in, it. You know, Stephen, you only move this world when you put money in people's pockets. That's an excellent idea. Well, it, it, I mean, that's, that's a, a somewhat crude way to say it. But, it's the truth. But, 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 but giving money to a candidate is it's, – it's, 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 it's as much about the support of the candidate, the intellectual, moral support of the candidate, is the dollars. Right. Right? So it, it, it's, it's one thing. So, yeah, getting money is fine. Right? But uh, let me tell you something. No, I, I don't want to go there. You get <laughs> now, that, that's happening. Now, now, at the same time that is happening, um, very soon we're going to launch the Citizen Hearing Foundation. And as I've sp- said before, mm-hmm. uh, that will be able to take nonprofit deductions, I mean, t- fully tax deductible deductions from any uh, funding from anywhere in the world under the, the laws of the country. Um, it's a charity, a nonprofit charity. Uh, and the Citizen Hearing Foundation will be, if it gets the funding, will be driving a multinational approach to the General Assembly, the UN. We're, we're going to try to get five, six countries to come together and agree on a joint resolution to the UN through their ambassadors calling for a un back world conference, which is what the members of the committee want us to do, the member of the Citizen Hearings Committee. That's what the communique from Washington, May 3, was about. We're going to basically honor that communique. And that's going to be going on simultaneous with the whole congressional approach. Now, you may say, well, what, what difference does that make? I mean, they are two, two fully separate uh, projects. Right, ERG, right. Right? Well, here's why it's important. Let me tell you something. There are a lot of people in Congress that mm-hmm. absolutely turn white at the thought that the U.N. would preempt them on this. Mm. And the U.N. would get ahead of the U.S. government and the Congress on the E.T. issue and get, get, get in front of them. So it just gives them one more reason why they need to get on their bicycle and start pedaling. So that's going to be going on at the same time. And, of course, we're still going to continue to tr- work on the film. And with any luck, uh, we can get some additional funding. We will complete the Truth Embargo movie, which could come out early next year, which – during the congressional campaign, this campaign will start in about sixty days, which is which will be end of um, you know, end of October, and then it'll go on through November, December, January, February, unless the Congress reacts real quickly and says, "Great, let's do hearings." Whatever, we're just going to keep. And the Truth Embargo movie come out in the middle of all that. So, this campaign, which is fundamentally the 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 the, the congressional broad spectrum approach where we're going to first seed the hill with, 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 with 535 copies of the full 30 hours of citizen hearing testimony. It's not you – know, we've sent documentaries up there. Over the years, we, we've sent you know, good documentaries like uh, Fast Walker and Out of the Blue and, right. yep. and all these and, – and, they, and they've sent copies. That's fine. That's been done and books have been sent up there. 
this is not the same thing. This is 30 hours of a citizen hearing specifically designed to, to be what the Congress is supposed to have already been doing, where the witness testimony can be viewed in the setting of a hearing with former members of Congress. That they have never had in their offices. And I think there's going to be a lot of staffers that are just not going to be able to not put those DVDs in their laptops and start watching them. And before you know it, you got a whole dialogue going on there on the Hill. It's the citizen hearing on disclosure that makes this congressional approach possible. And I'll tell you something else. There's a lot of people that have told me that it's a waste of time to approach Congress at all because they're so dysfunctional and they're so in ill repute right now. And my response is, no, you've got it upside down. This is the best time to approach them now that we have a powerful lever to open the door because they desperately need redemption. Right. They desperately need to turn this around for themselves, and we have exactly what they need. They're not riding high and everybody loves them, so why do we right. need to rock any boat here? They desperately need to rock the boat. They need to re resail the boat, they need to recock it, they need to do a whole lot of things but mostly and, and this is what it always keeps coming down to they need to get in the truth business yes. not the propaganda business yep. not, the, not the rhetorical hyper-partisan blather business but the truth business get the truth, whatever it is, get it out then get the people's reaction and then decide what to do with the policy and this is the biggest truth of all time Stephen, we got to stop right there. we got to take a commercial break. Uh, talking about the truth embargo, if you guys want to join in on the phones, please call on in. Open lines for the remainder of the show once we return from break. 786-245-8127 is the number. We're talking with Steve Bassett, and we're talking about ending the truth embargo and what is going to happen within the very near future. Stick around. We'll be right back. It's like having it all and watching it fall if you're in the market for a luxury pre-owned vehicle, then stop by Prado Auto Sales located at 7300 Southwest 8th Street in Miami. Prado Auto Sales has been family owned and operated for two generations and they've been taking care of South Florida since 1964. They work with every major bank and also have in-house financing available so everyone is approved. Receive a trip for two to a four-star resort with any vehicle purchase. Prado Auto Sales has over 150 vehicles in stock so call them today at 888-719-5329. That's 888-719-5329 or online at PradoAutoSales.com. The George Rodriguez Show. Who? I said the George Rodriguez Show. You don't know George Rodriguez? Wasn't he the guy that filled in for Neil Rogers? Yes. That George Rodriguez. What's he like? Oh, he's a short little Cuban feller. Kind of funny looking. Well, when's he on? 12 to 3, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on SoFloRadio.com and SoFloRadio.net. The George Rodriguez Show is much more than adequate. 4,734 UFO sightings in 2007. by aliens or unknown species reported by American and British citizens. 
and hundreds more unreported in 2007. Suppressed information about collisions with passenger aircraft and UFOs that has been kept from the public knowledge for years. And only one trusted source of information from some of the top UFO researchers in the world. Exclusive information that cannot be found anywhere else on the planet. Trusted, connected, accurate. The UFOstore.com. Expand your personal library with fast shipping and instant downloadable information from the largest selection of UFO products on the internet by going to theufostore.com or call on the 24-hour, 7-day-a-week order line at 541-523-2630. The truth is out there, and theufostore.com has it. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. Superman Homepage.com. All right, everybody, we are back on Inside the Jackal's Head, and we've been talking to Stephen Bassett, and we are going to be taking your phone calls, 786-245-8127, back on the radio with Steve Bassett talking about ending the embargo. Now, Stephen, pick up you know where you left off, because it's amazing what you guys are planning. Uh, the X-Pac reaching out to Congress, you know, making them watch these DVDs, basically is, is the agenda here. I'm not making them, but we're... we're the fact that the the citizen hearing obviously took place and was fully filmed and we're going to have the full 30 hours in DVDs means that we can send them to the Congress, which means right. that they, 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 there's no reason for them not, not, not to, to, to not have access if they want it. Now we have to then 
put pressure on them to view some of that material and meet right. with me to discuss hearings. Now, they, if they want to just start holding hearings, they don't have to meet with me. Fine, go ahead. Uh, but but uh, uh, normally what happens is they, they need perspective, and that's why you have experts to come and talk to them. That's what the role of a lobbyist is, is to provide information to the Congress, to members of Congress who don't know what's going on. Um, and oftentimes the lobbyist has a very partisan point of view. Um, many lobbyists work for big, big corporate uh, money operations, but there are plenty of lobbyists that work for social issues. Not, 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 not all lobbyists are the same. Right. Uh, but lobbying is a crucial function in Washington. The idea that you could simply do away with it, I'm sorry, folks, it wouldn't work. <laughs> right? Uh, you, need, you, need, you, need, you don't need crooked lobbyists, and, and you need ethics and all that. Uh, my, I'm lobbying on behalf of the truth advocacy movement on, on ETs. That's what I'm lobbying on. Uh, and so, and, and the, re- the reason I'm, quote, uh, I'm registered as lobbyist because you can't go on the Hill trying to get people to vote for stuff without registering. It's not an right. option. You can't be an unregistered citizen advocate up there. You have to register. This is done so the American people know who is doing this so that if, in fact, there's improprieties, they know who to go uh, talk to. So uh, the citizen hearing makes all this possible because the footage is there. And as a result, uh, and the Congress hasn't held hearings for 45 years, since 1968. And so the timing is perfect to come back at this organization. We have the tools. We have the support group. We have the ability to put thousands and thousands of constituent letters, emails, and faxes into their offices saying meet with the PRG lobbyists. And then uh, if, they, if they don't take these meetings, you better believe I'm going to let everybody know that. Right? Meaning, you know, we approached them. They said no. Hmm. Fine. I'll have a list. You know, there's going to be a list. Every, every office declines is going to have a no. Buy it in a list. You can just go to the, the PRG website and you can see who's saying no. And so this, this is the third phase of the three-move maneuver that starts on September 22nd when, this, when the petition was submitted to the White House. So I believe that if the hearings are held, that's it. The truth embargo is over, and that's the ball game. And, this whole, and, and as I said earlier, I'm, I'm, I am formally dedicating the whole uh, three-phase effort to close the, end the truth embargo to Dr. Jesse Marcel. Um, That's beautiful. That's nice. And, and now it's up to the American people how much support they want to provide. And I uh, encourage everybody out there listening to you know, write your congressman, write, you know, write in and tell them to please pay attention to this subject. Pay attention to, the, to these DVDs. I know one person who's on the line who just joined us who is definitely on board with everything we're talking about here tonight is our good friend Jamie Havican from Inception Radio. How are you doing, Jamie? Doing good. You guys are uh, doing a great show, getting a lot of information out there. I've been enjoying enjoying it. Thank you, sir. You know, what are your, what's your take on, on everything we've been talking about here? And, of course, if you want to say something about Dr. Jesse Marcel Jr., who just uh, passed away today, please go ahead and do so. I know you knew him a little bit better than I did, for yeah. sure. Yeah, that's that's the sad. You know, it's it's getting to where the, the these founders and people that – started this and and came out with this information a lot of them are getting up there and it's yeah. it's, a, it's a very sad loss there's actually been a couple losses and a lot of uh, big people um not saying it's a loss but jerry pippen's actually been going through very serious health problems but he's getting better so 
Um, he actually did a little podcast recently, and then one of our uh, hosts lost her husband. So a lot of things going on. But uh, yeah, I think that um, I think that this citizens' hearing uh, basically was uh, the biggest uh, step forward that has happened in a very long time because. Um, many listeners or people that might know me or follow me from inception or anywhere else, uh, April, I had, uh, three surgeries. So basically since April, I kind of been out of the loop for the most part. And, um, you know, just hearing this, uh, I want to ask Steve, now that these, um, ex- ex- Congress members believe, at least some of them on, on camera on Rogan's show said that they now believe that this is happening. Um, do you think that they'll be able to influence current Congress members, or do you think that there's uh, somebody up higher that even if they do influence the, the current Congress, that it, it's not going to matter? Or do you think it will matter? No, it's, 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 don't don't try to oversimplify it. it it's uh, it's all there's many parts to this, and all of it is is aiming towards one outcome, and that's hearings are held. Um, the how much involvement the Citizen Hearing Committee members has is remains to be seen. We know that a couple are very much interested in being mo- further involved, and uh, hopefully, en- I, I don't know if all six will be able to sign that, the letter that I'm going to put together, it's, uh, but I'm sure some will. Uh, but I mean, they're not—they're not—and I haven't asked them to you know, flying out to Washington and trying to pigeonhole these people. It just doesn't work that way. But but they, they by 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 signing the letter of. Request for meetings with me, and of course, and and that they review the CHD material. Uh, again, none of this is. By the way, this ain't happening for another sixty days. So nobody write anybody right now. Yeah. Uh, right. Wait until the announcement's out there, and then write your congressman and say, you know, you you recently received uh, thirty hours of of testimony by DVDs on the citizen hearing on ET issue. Uh, we I want you as my uh, representative to meet with Steve Bassett, PRG's lobbyist, and talk about that material and the need for full congressional hearings for many witnesses that are ready to testify. Um, so um, they will be part of it, as will the witness letter and other support we may generate between now and then. Because, I mean, this is going to get around. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we, we found a backer for the citizen hearing. Uh, and uh, it was it was done as a, a, a by, by putting together a production deal for a film, mm-hmm. uh, which will be called Truth Embargo. And the hearing, the citizen hearing, is part of it. And so the backer was able to fund the, the film and the hearing as one one deal. It's a production deal. Was it a grant? Was it a gift? Yeah. We have to pay it back. Right. Uh, and that was Tom Clearwater out of Canada. He was Canadian. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to get funding for the citizen hearing since 2001. Oh, yeah. Nobody in the U.S. would do it. It took a Canadian <laughs> to do it. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, and unfortunately, the hearing cost much more than we expected. I thought we could do it for 350 and It ended up costing 750 It's never been done before. And so there's a lot of unknowns. But it got done. And we have the footage. Uh, and we have a lot of the film you know, done in the sense of the footage. There's a lot of work that has to be done, of course. But the, the fact is, is that I know right now there are many, many people in the United States who have the resources to completely fund the advocacy movement to, oh, yeah. to the full extent that is needed, which isn't all that much. 
and not even miss the money, but they are on the fence on this, meaning that they know it's important. They know they could support it, but they're on the fence. And one of the reasons they're there is because there are there is a history of this issue being isolated, ghettoized, and people right. being ridiculed and what have yep. you. Yeah. Now, there is that history. It's not like the Soviet Union. I mean, they haven't been sending UFO researchers off to gulags or <laughs> putting yet. them in prisons for life. <laughs> uh, but, but there has been some of that. Right. And, 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 and also, the, the ridicule thing is still there, though it's certainly mm. better. Uh, and, they're, and they're reluctant. But the fact is, is that it's been getting better and better since 2000. Public awareness is 100%. Documentaries, witnesses coming forward. I'm not aware of any harassment or intimidation of witnesses in the last 13 years, which is to say the government has kind of stopped that because it sort of knows that the game is over. Uh, and, and while they're not prepared to simply come clean just yet, they, don't, they feel it's probably not a good idea to be out there messing with people. And so, frankly, right. I think it would be perfectly safe and and one and, and i think supporters would be quite surprised at the response they would get they'd get a couple of stupid remarks from people that are not thoughtful and then they'll get a whole lot of very positive response from people going fantastic uh i know bob bigelow has spent a lot of money in this issue probably you know through his own ventures he had, I, i'm not aware he may have supported other ventures he, he certainly provided some support to move on yeah. he's doing just yeah. fine thank you very much he just got another big nasa contract no, you know, Tom Clearwater hasn't been bothered. But so we have all of these people on the fence out there that could guarantee the success of the Truth Embargo movement if they provided the kind of funding we've never had. Right? This campaign against Congress, it's it's not like you just it's magic. Right? It's not like I can just do this and just and just make it you know, it's gonna cost a lot of money. Right. A lot of money. A lot and of so money, yeah. is anybody prepared to help fund that? Uh, an American would be nice. Uh, not that we won't take money from more Canadians. You bet we will. But I mean, at some point, <laughs> it's a little embarrassing. I think. Right, Stephen, that, what do you what do you think that, that has happened? Because there's a lot of billionaires in this country that are into the ufology subject and that are into space. You know, Joe Rogan, you mentioned earlier, is really into the subject, but he's not coming forward and helping out any, in any way monetarily. I don't know what Joe or Joe has done or not done. But, I mean, he's giving the issue some exposure. He's brought it on his show. Yeah. But, you know, and Joe's doing okay. But believe me, he's, he's small potatoes compared to just about any member of the National Basketball Association, <laughs> Major League <laughs> Baseball, and the uh, NFL. Dana White, who, you know, president of the UFC. Joe's been with the UFC for a long time. He has yep. access to a lot of money. But, yeah, he does. Well, yeah, yeah. No, but, but, you know, look, here, here's, here, but, let, no, let me make but Joe, But it's just an example. For You know, I mean, Joe Rogan's just one guy. But, I mean, there's a lot of folks in this country that are really into the subject. They'd have a lot of money. I'm talking about millions and billions of dollars. Of Look, and they're, they're just people, not putting any money in Hollywood. forward. There are guys in Hollywood that have made $10, $50, yeah. $200 million off this subject. Like why, why isn't Steven Spielberg coming out and saying, you know what, I believe in ufology, I believe in aliens, I believe we've been contacted, here's $100 million, let's, you know, let's get somewhere with this. We don't need $100 million, we can end the truth embargo for about $5 million. The, the, the point is, is that, is that he what has, and I guess you'd have to ask him that, but, but here, here's another way I like to put it. Uh, about two months ago, a national basketball player you know, a pretty solid player. I think he's in, in injury, uh, an injury uh, right now. But Baron Davis, on an interview, uh, yeah, meant, started getting the fact that he he'd had contact experience. Yeah, and the host came back at him over and over again, and in to say, "Are you really serious?" 
And he said, yeah, absolutely. Now, later on, supposedly he made a tweet saying it was a joke. Well, you know, of all the things that you know, NBA players are likely to make a joke about uh, and go at length on, this is not on that list. And, and so, but I understand why anybody might you know, finally feel they need to say something and then realize, boy, I made a mistake and recant. But let's, right. just, say that, let's just say that Baron Davis may come out of the closet. And be the first, certainly, person in uh, in the NBA and the major deal to come out of the closet. Okay, fine. And he'd been contacted. Now, understand that every single member of the and, and every single team member in the NBA is a millionaire, and most of them are multimillionaires. Same thing for the NFL by and large, and pretty much for MLB. We're talking thousands and thousands of thousands of guys. And based upon just the, the percentages that we have, you know, the low end percentages from the surveys that have been done, probably 2% of the National Basketball Association, the Major League Baseball, and the National Football Association are contactees. So, hmm. you know, there, there's thousands of guys. I mean, there, there, there's a whole pool of thousands of multimillionaires that could fund the advocacy movement tomorrow. I know that, I know that, uh, I know that uh, Danny Sheehan got some support from a former NFL player once. So, but have they done it? No, they have not done it. But, so the, the, the potential... It, 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 look, one of the things the government had to do in the truth embargo, without turning America into the Soviet Union, was to embargo this thing so brilliantly and create such a powerful you know, ghetto uh, environment around it that it would dissuade millions and millions of people who could profoundly fund the work from not doing so on their own volition, out of fear of you know, having somebody make a joke about them. And they succeeded extraordinary accomplishment. I mean, you don't think they're calling up every rich person in the country in the middle of the night threatening to kill them and their family if they, you know, put money in a MUFON or, you know, fund an advocacy movement. No, they can't do that. They had to create this, this, this gestalt of where, oh, you know, you just don't talk about it or it's not really real or we don't investigate anymore and, and, and David Letterman will crack a joke about you and you'll be embarrassed, blah, blah, blah. And they pulled it off, right? Meanwhile, Hollywood is making billions of dollars off the yeah. subject in TV and, and film, and they're not funding it either. But boy, if you want to save a whale, there's so many people in Hollywood who write you a check. <laughs> yeah. now, but that's because the government doesn't have a, a massive truth embargo program directed at whales. Right. Okay. So, I mean, this, this is the dynamic we're trying to break through. And this program, where we're going to, we, we have spent a lot of money to hold an event, over 700000 to hold an event, film it, and now we're going to be able to supply 30 hours of DVDs to every member of Congress showing this testimony. And, and we're prepared to launch a campaign to meet with Congress and all this stuff, right? That gives you a sense of what can be done with, with, with some money. Now, the question is, is anybody else going to get that? Or are they just going to sit on the fence and let the government pretty much decide what their reality is for them and do whatever it wants to do, hoping that, well, you know, I'm wealthy and whatever happens, I'll be okay. I mean, but, but that, you know, and, that, and that's, that's not an unreasonable position. You know, I got a family, I got a wife, I got kids, I'll be okay, that's my priority. But, you know, there, there, there are plenty of people that have a profound moral conscience and that believe what's happening in the country is awful. And so at some point, it's not okay. And then they have to decide, well, if that's not okay and I have the means to support it, why am I not? supporting this truth advocacy movement, right? Why am I still on the fence? This, this is what is going to be in discussion 
over the next 60 days? Can we finally get some funding, right? Or do I have to wait for the next Canadian to finally come forward and say, you know, I've got some serious money here, and I'm going to, you know, help put an ad in the Washington Post, and we're going to pay for the campaign, you know, to the Congress, and blah blah blah. Is, is that really what it comes down to? The next Canadian is going to come forward. I'm nothing against yeah. Canadians, believe me, but I'm embarrassed here. I'm, you know, the U.S. started this truth embargo. The U.S. spent a fortune to maintain it. The U.S. is still behind it and is still denying through the White House the presence of extraterrestrials. Is there not an American out there with a couple of million bucks that wants to end that nonsense? Canada, Canada is our only hope, Stephen. Uh, <laughs> Stephen, let, let me ask you this, because I, I may have missed it. You may have said it. I'm sure it is out there. But for people listening, what can the average person do like myself who does not have the money to donate but is on, on online a lot, who does uh, a lot of social networking, has skills? What can they do to help this movement go farther for you? Paradigm research, the citizens hearing, etc. Well, I mean, PRG has got seven Facebook pages, various types of share those. Uh, it's got websites, share those. Uh, clearly, in the moment the announcement goes out, you know, if every single person in the in the ET movement, disclosure movement, were to send a brief note. To their two two Congress senators and one representative, let me tell you, it would be a big deal. Yeah, we'd be talking hundreds and hundreds of thousands of letters, mm-hmm. and they're all basically have the same message: we want hearings, and we want you to meet to Steve Bassett about it. I mean, you know, they, they could meet with the other ET lobbyists, but there aren't any other ET lobbyists, so I guess it's me, isn't it? Right. Right. And if, if ten more people want to register as lobbyists so they can carry the load, I'm I welcome them with open arms. So I mean, so if they do that. That's a lot, right? So I'm going to be asking them to do that in about uh, seventy days. Right, we're going to ask them. Not now. Don't do it now. Wait until the announcement goes out that these DVDs have been sent and have and have gotten to the Congress. Right, but obviously they can share this information. We've got the citizen hearing uh, disclosure dot org website up. We're we're trying to raise money to to speed up the the editing process. The cost of editing thirty hours of this stuff is kind of expensive. It's a guy yeah. working night and day. We've yep. raised about twenty thousand. We need about twenty more. There's that. Spread the word. If they haven't got any money, spread the word. Spread the links. Share it. Right? Uh, but I, I think in general, uh, the more people focus on sharing the information about the truth advocacy movement and less on the latest sighting. Mm-hmm. You know, there have been millions of sightings, folks. Yeah. I really don't need to hear about the latest one. I mean, <laughs> I understand your enthusiasm. You know, there have been millions of them. Yeah. So, but but I I want to hear about any any new witnesses. I want to hear about any new docs. Uh, so the more they focus on the do, the, the advocacy and the truth movement, uh, that's important. That's helpful. Uh, spread the word about the fact that it's going on. Certainly share any crowdfunding. I mean, we're going to have a crowdfunding for the truth embargo movement. Please share that link. Spread it. We know that when something go and we have trailers up the yin yang. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, there's plenty that people can do on the on the internet, but it's mostly networking and sharing. That's that's what you can do. And as we know, that doesn't cost much. You know, once you yep. pay for your internet access, it's pretty much all free after that. Yep, yeah, do what you want. Yeah. No, so that, social that's the to social media is is a great tool for this kind of stuff. Stephen. Yeah. It really is. Social it media can. will get the word out. Yeah, but again, it has to take the effort of the people that are listening in. They have to put forth at least that effort. Sure, of course. And if those same people just donated a dollar, you would get to that. That's it. You get your five million easy. Well, yeah, but you know that, it's not going to happen. I mean, I've, I've yeah, been down that road. I've been down that road. Uh, it, it's just not going to happen that way. We don't. We don't have time. 
You know, this is not an issue that connects to people with the kind of visceral power that say, you know, save the children. Right. You know, yeah. uh, save the whale, save the environment. Yeah. I understand that. It's okay. This is the kind of movement that needs big support from smart people who have a lot at stake and know they can make a difference. Right. Right. So, uh, you know, I every five and ten dollar donor has ever given a thing to PRG. I love them to death. Right. But understand, we need the million dollar donation. Right. Right. Which you know, if you're running for Congress, no problem. Oh yeah. You, I mean, you, I mean, yeah. they don't give it to you. They they put it into the super PAC and the five hundred four, and then run, spend made. You know, I mean, they spent four billion dollars on the last election, electing a bunch of people that, as far as I can tell, is no better than the last group. But, yeah. but you know, so so people are giving fortunes yep. to to quote keep replacing you know fairly incompetent political leaders with more incompetent political leaders. Correct. I'm saying start focusing your money on where 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 it can actually create immediate change. And let me be clear. The goal of this movement now, not this, not this isn't 2001 or 1997. The goal of this movement is disclosure now, right now. And so, if the money comes forward, all that's going to help make sure is that that's exactly what happens, and that we're not set back or having to climb. You know that we've got a full tank of gas, and all the tires have you know rubber on them, and and we can move and do what we have to do. Right. It took me 13 years to finally get the citizen hearing, uh, uh, you know, funded. And once it was done, people raved about it. It's fantastic. It's incredible. Well, great, but it still took. Now, now that's got to stop. Right. So we need, you know, people to step forward right now. Everybody that's on the fence out there about should I financially support the truth advocacy movement to end this truth embargo? Need to step up now, right now, because we have we are we can do this now. We have it. You know, years from now, the the, the power of the citizen hearing on disclosure will have substantially lessened. There's a couple of wars in the works to distract this. Could break out at any time. So let's just get it done now. All right. So fund it. I don't. You know, I'm not the only group. I'm not the only advocate here. There's other people out there and other organizations. But support somebody. Have you noticed stuff. an increase the past few days since Rogan's show has aired? Well, no. I mean, you know, Joe's yeah. show is new and just getting started. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure it helps, but. Um, the problem with Joe, the problem with Joe Rogan, though, is he, he's, he's a little too much on the fringe with some people like exactly. Ginger Tukalos, yeah. and, he, and he has some of the, the folks out there who really are not the best people to listen to when it comes yeah. to don't, ufology. No, 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 no. Don't, 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 don't try to break it down that much. It's no. not, you don't want to do that. You don't want to categorize like that. Look, he's in his world. He, the, the thing about Joe is he speaks. He, he really has. He speaks from the heart, though. He really does. He really believes in the subject. I'm not trying to say he doesn't. He really does. Well, we know that personally that he's pretty convinced ETs are real, but yeah. as you know, in, in the show, is basically right. kind of a skeptic. Thing. But, that, but here's the point. The point is that Joe speaks to the, the current generation, which we call the millennials. Right. They, they resp- he has a very you know, a good connection there, and that's going to grow. And these are, the, these are the 20 to 30-year-olds. These are the ones born since 1980. Right. Right? And so if they were born in 1990, they're 23. If they're born in 1980, they're 33. And guess what? It's me. Whatever's going to happen yeah. in the 21st century – it's going to happen to them. Right, yeah. This is it. This is their baby. 
right? And and all of the bad things that the the, the CIA is predicting are going to happen, that the, the Defense Department is predicting going to happen, and other futurist organizations looking down the line are saying they're going to happen to them. And so all this dysfunction they're looking at, you know, they're young and life is good, but the point is that that the, all this the, all the caca that's headed <laughs> for the fan, it's their yeah. fan, all right? And and so they they not surprisingly are somewhat. They, they, they're in an odd mode. They, they, they've grown up in a kind of a world where the awareness of this issue is big, and they sort of pretty much agree, yeah, it's all true. But they don't understand how important it is to resolve the issue yet. And so they're not – they haven't really do, do, dived in, right, uh, to it. They, they, they're interested, and obviously there's supporters amongst the millennials without question. Uh, but we know what they're capable of doing when they get the picture. And, right. and 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 the and and the the, the the period on that sentence is Edward Snowden. Edward Snowden is a millennial, a smart, computer savvy millennial. Virtually all of them are, who basically said, "What's going on with the NSA is not acceptable," and he has just turned the entire NSA upside down. He he is he has got the U.S. government in an uproar. He's creating international incidents. He is driving them crazy, and he's still doing it. That's what a millennial is capable of doing when they develop a certain moral sense on something, right? Uh, and that's what they're willing to risk. I can assure you we're not asking anybody to take the kind of risk that Ed Snowden took with yeah, respect no to American surveillance, which is mm-hmm. just another abuse of power and secrecy. Yeah. You know, the ET issue has got a whole lot of good positive stuff connected to it. Disclosure is a huge positive thing in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm, I'm, we're, we're saying, what, are there any other millennials out there that would like to, 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 do the, to do something at the level of history making without having to necessarily go to prison for the rest of their life? Right. Are, are you willing to step up and, def, and, and support, you know, a bunch of old fogies like myself trying to deliver you a world where truth is the currency, right? Mm. Uh, not lies, deception, and propaganda, and a world where the ET thing is finally completely known, and we're now moving forward on that, uh, possibly leading us to places we can only imagine, as opposed to the next 12 wars, which are already being planned. I mean, there's probably, you know, it's, it's like, it's like... Uh, They're like in pre-production, Stephen, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah they, they, get, they get them planned out for years. Yeah. You know? And so, you know, there's about four or five, you know, ready to go and six behind yep. that. I mean, and, and, and let me tell you, you think, oh, well, it'll never get to me. Oh, 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 oh you're, you're so be, wrong you're, you're about so wrong that. that yeah. Right? It'll never, no, these, all these wars we're holding will never end up in my lap. Well, tell it to some of the bond traders. <laughs> Stephen, got to stop you there for a second. I want to thank Jamie. Uh, I want to thank Jamie for uh, getting on the line with us. Jamie, you have any other questions for Stephen Bassett? No, that's basically about it. I just uh, appreciate you uh, letting me call in and ask a couple questions. Uh, you know, I'm sure you know you guys are covering this, but um, yeah, there's other things we can bring up. But yeah, great show. I'll continue listening, and uh, thanks again. Thank yeah, you, Jamie. And I'll be doing your show again soon. I know. All righty. Always a good guy, Jamie Havikin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's funny you, you say it like that, Stephen, but, you know, getting back to uh, what we were talking about, it, 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 it is almost like a pre-production of a movie, the way they set these wars up, isn't it? Well, every war is always lays the groundwork for the second. I mean, right. the next one. I mean, World War II sequel, completely yeah. set the stage for, the, for, for World War III, which is supposed yeah. to be a nuclear war. And 
we should have had it. I mean, it, we almost had it several times. Well, it, it, look, according to uh, some of the, the reports on TV, we're very close to having a nuclear war with Korea. Well, I mean, it's, uh, the nuclear war I'm talking about was the full-out, you know, end of civilization war. Right, right. Korea, you know, it, it, look, nuclear terrorism is inevitable probably. Uh, a nuclear war is still possible because there's plenty of warheads. There's plenty of nukes ready to, to be targeted in an instant. I mean, a lot of people maybe don't know that, but there's still t- 25,000 nukes and thousands ready to launch, and nuclear submarines are still out there. But, you know, Russia's gone capitalist, and... You know, uh, so by and large, it would appear not. But that doesn't mean something couldn't happen in the world that would lead to it, and and that's where the real concern is. North Korea is just a bad actor, and you know they may set off a nuclear bomb and kill some people someday, and that'll be the end of North Korea. You know, I mean they'll probably just fence the place off and turn it into a nuclear dump, and maybe a thousand years from now, somebody will live there. Uh, but but that's all about human stupidity. Look, human stupidity is always with us. Let's just don't do anything to make it worse than it has to be. I can assure you, North Korea is not the problem. Hmm. The problem is the overall geopolitical policies uh, between the West and the Arab world. Right. That yeah. is the major problem right now. That's always uh, been the problem, Stephen. Yeah, for a long time. Yeah. Uh, there was, uh, you know, for a while, a serious problem with Asia, but that's less of an issue now uh, as Asia is advancing pretty substantially. Right. But 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 whatever the problems in the world are, we sort of know how the the play works because the old paradigm operating system, I call it operating system 1.0, is still in 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 play. And so you keep getting the same results. I mean, it's when you have an operating system and you turn on the machine, you get the same flash screen every time. Right. I mean, that's the way it works, right? right it's right, not going right. to change unless you change it. And so, you know, a war with Iran is certainly possible. Uh there's, you know, potentially break up in Syria. Now Egypt is in play. I mean, all of this is fundamentally the uh, the the the, uh, the modus operate, operating system that has been in play for eight thousand years, and certainly in play since uh, the, the First World War, you know, in early nineteen hundreds. It's just one after another, and and it's it's politics by other means. Killing people is justified, even though it always work, gets worse, and mm. so. This is going to keep happening unless something dramatically changes the equations, right? The operating system needs to be changed to operating system 2.0. Right. And disclosure is the only thing out there with the power to upgrade the world operating system right now. Nothing else is even mm. close. Yeah. And and that is one of the tragedies of the truth embargo is that is – that they they don't get that enough. They they understood the risk during the Cold War. They don't get the benefits now in the post Cold War. And this is the intellectual dilemma that the, the advocacy movement is trying to resolve. Now, do you, do you think that? Because I look, I think that they know that this would be beneficial for all mankind to come out with disclosure. I think they really deep down know that the people who are, who are holding the secret back. But Stephen, do you think there there might be other agendas why they're holding it back? Maybe more sinister agendas as to why they're not telling the world. I, I think that I think I mean, this is a question that comes up a lot. There, there could be yeah. a very sinister reason why they're doing this. Uh, I think I think the, the the conservative way to look at it is this: that there are relatively good people in the national security world that are not prepared to work with the White House and get this done. They're, they're right. uh, not not in a, well. They can't disclose themselves, and they're not willing to reach out. And 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 perhaps to some degree, they're comfortable with keeping it contained the way it is 
there are a lot of other people that are not so nice uh, who are benefiting from it uh, and will be happy to benefit from it forever. That doesn't mean they're controlling it. I mean, the oil industry benefits massively from anything that suppresses breakthroughs in energy technology. Mm -hmm. So when the government buys up patents from what, what might be breakthrough energy stuff and then makes them disappear, the oil companies love it. Uh, and, and if, in fact, the ET technology portends a massive breakthrough in energy that could change the world, but, but force them to shift their, their, their business model, uh, they don't want that. That doesn't mean that they're, they're the ones that are deciding whether disclosure takes place, but they're right. benefiting from it. And, and, and in general, the whole secret empire business, uh, it's like arms dealers. There are a lot of arms dealers out there that, that make a fortune from, from the wars. It doesn't mean right. they're starting the wars, but they're more than happy to benefit. Right, they're profiting, yeah. Right. And so logically... I mean, conservatively, what you have here is a is a government policy that is shared with a number of other governments, where a lot of people that I believe are doing things which harm the human race are benefiting from. But it's primarily a national security decision, and so no, me, that's the way I look at it, uh, and I think that's the proper way, the best. When way I to when I when I say even more sinister, though, I mean more sinister as in what the agenda of the aliens might actually be who they really are compared to what we think they are. Uh, could there be a more sinister uh, reasoning behind them doing you know, this embargo? Because well, of, again, the, the I, I don't, I'm not aware of any evidence that shows that the ETs are behind the truth embargo. I mean, I'm, I don't have any... Well, let me put it this way. I mean, no, we don't. We don't you know, the, the, you know, did, did the ETs tell Roger Ramey to change the, the Roswell story to a raw wind weather balloon? I kind of doubt <laughs> Probably not, yeah. Probably not. Uh, what I do know is that the ETs are doing a lot of things which are certainly not helping the truth embargo. Right. You know, recently a group went. You know, I just got a I just got a call of somebody that was out in the UK crop circles, right? And there's a bunch of them, and they're they're as thousands of people do now. They go to the UK for the season. Right. I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, and they were they were camped out to about two in the morning. Well, they, they, they didn't go to bed till about 2 in the morning. And in a field 30 yards away, where nothing was going on that night, a fairly substantial crop circle was there the next morning. Now, you know, explain to me how a bunch of high school kids or college kids with, with sextants went out there and popped that baby together after 2 o'clock, in about four hours, without anybody noticing it. And that's nothing compared to other instances where people have flown... Light planes, they, they, you know, they, they fly planes over these things now. I mean, there's people that are taking chartered flights and they're right. flying over the crop circuit fields every year because every year they turn up. And so they'll fly over a field at noon, come back 20 minutes later. There's, there's a five-acre crop circuit. I mean, I, hello, right? Please. Yeah, Steve, has so, there been so, so, so these are ETs doing this. And so if ETs come back every year to put crop circles in the fields knowing that every year it gets easier and easier for people to sort of – see that it can't be human Th this is not the action of of a of a intelligent being that is trying to hide right completely they are they are certainly not helping the truth embargo with this activity and there's a lot of that that i could refer to and so in general i i happen to believe the ets uh are if anything encouraging the truth embargo to end now that does doesn't mean that they're going to they're going to do something to end it tomorrow 
it may it means probably that they are assuming we're going to do it. Uh, uh, that's the best interpretation I have. But yeah, the ETs could end the truth embargo anytime they want to, and they haven't. And that doesn't mean they don't want it to end. It just means they don't want to do it themselves. Or right. At least well, they might do. they might have that prime directive that you know is real famous in Star Trek. Uh, that may be a well, reason why they're not coming down. <laughs> I'm afraid they violated the prime directive long ago. Several times, yeah, <laughs> several times. <laughs> they, 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 they undoubtedly have some, some protocol. There are probably some protocols and rules by which they're operating under. It's not the Wild West. I mean, who, who would be surprised at that? In fact, when you look at their behaviors with the contactees, their patterns and procedures and everything else, so uh, there's a protocol they're operating under, and apparently that protocol doesn't involve at this time them parking a 10-mile mothership over Washington and saying hello. All right, so fine. I don't know. I'm not going to wait for them. I don't represent extraterrestrials. People joke about that, but I, I don't. I, I represent the American people as a lobbyist on an advocacy movement. And so my interest is what we do. And I can make a very compelling case that we had better disclose this to ourselves before the ETs disclose it to us. Because I can assure you, the latter is not going to be as cool as the former. Well, to be, to be honest, though, Stephen, you got to admit to this much: until we actually visually see aliens walking among us, uh, there's always going to be that question. Even if the government comes out with disclosure, uh, whether it's a lie you know, to cover something else up, whether you know we're all fooling ourselves, whether this is true or not, uh, until that moment that we actually see the aliens among us, there's always going to be that doubt, though. Even if disclosure happens, right? Uh, well, I have to disagree there has to with be. you. No, 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 no. Look, look there are people that will doubt anything. Right. I mean, I've never seen a quark, but I'm pretty sure they exist. Look, once the government acknowledges the ET presence, they will, the government will provide some corroborating evidence, probably something that's never been seen before. Uh, within days, 90, 92, 95, 98% of the people that that are aware of this will accept it as, as, as fact. Just that fundamental, the ETs are here. I'm not getting into the rest. Right. Right? Uh, but then there'll be a small percentage that will doubt. Fine. Let them doubt. But I assure you, the vast majority of people will be immured right away on their presence. That's disclosure. Their pre- that's all. Now, if the government comes forward the next day and says, uh, yeah, they're all here and um, um, let's see... Uh, uh, we're, we're very much worried about them, and it's possible they're going to colonize us. And so, we we need fifty trillion dollars to build, you know, slingshots in order to defend ourselves. Right now, people may not buy that. In fact, I, I get a probably majority of people will doubt that and won't buy it. And it'll be very interesting times. Uh, uh, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about disclosure of their presence, acknowledgement of their presence. Uh, there will be very few doubts in very few people's minds uh, uh, once that happens. And, and, and it won't be the U.S. is going to do it. I mean, look, look, once one major country does it, the rest will all follow right. suit. So you'll have every country in the world that has any material ability to step forward will do so and acknowledge the ET presence. If a country doesn't know anything, hasn't got anything, they may just go, yeah, probably, we're fine. But uh, <laughs> Australia, Canada, France, Germany, Italy, uh, New Zealand, America, Russia, China – uh, Japan, yeah, every one of those nations can, will, will come forward and say, yep, that's right. You know, and here's kind of what we know. Yep. Uh, and then the game begins. Uh, okay, I mean, who's got the tech and what are you going to do with it? And 
who's patenting this and what's happened and when are we going to be able to get some energy systems going and get the price of gas down. All that will be in play, and it'll be one really fun time. It'll be a much nicer planet to live on. You know, I think a, a big help in moving forward with disclosure and ending the embargo has been the Vatican, Stephen, and what they said a few years ago where they acknowledge that, yes, aliens could very well be among us. Yes, aliens are out there. They believe that this is a big universe, that God created everything, including them and including us, and they see no reason why there couldn't be such a thing as Yeah, and why do you think the Vatican just did that? Why do you think they finally come out and did that? Because the truth, you know, it's too hard to keep a secret, Stephen. And not only that, they, I'm sure in many ways the Vatican wants this subject to be put forward, and they want the truth to come out. Well, yeah, probably. Also public relations. Yeah. They want to look good. That too, yeah. Why do you think the yeah, CIA yeah. just published uh, some some maps of Area 51 and said, mm-hmm. yeah, it really exists, which they already did really 13 years ago. Right, yeah. And then the media immediately jumps on it like, oh, well, they finally admitted it exists and makes a big story. I don't know what the hell they're doing. Of course, it's been on now, Google Earth for like why five would years. The CIA, <laughs> why, why, why would they do that? It's it, it, it public relations. Right. In other words, disclosure is close. They know that. And so if you're the church, you don't want to you wanna you wanna be on board before disclosure happens. Correct. If you're yep. NASA, you don't want a shuttle program still operating when disclosure takes place. And 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 shortly thereafter we learn that we've had antigravatic systems for, for decades and you're still running the chemical rockets up there, you look like idiots, so that's got to close down. Well, guess what? It has. It closed down, yeah. Right? You're right. You know, FBI puts up a section on their website called The Vault and releases some UFO files. Why do they do that? They don't need to do that. They did it to look better. They're all. Everybody is trying to get on the right side of the issue because one way or another, they have figured out that the truth embargo is almost over unless we have a nuclear terrorist attack or whatever. Right, so there, and, and this includes the church and other people. Why do you think John Podesta comes out in 2002 calls for the release of files? He was positioning the Democratic Party, Correct, public yeah. relations. Mm. You know, if you know something like this is going to happen pretty soon and you can do something to make yourself look better or mitigate the problems you may have after the announcement, you're going to do it unless there's – you know, it's too risky. Right. And so you're seeing this happening everywhere. Right, and people are like, why, why does suddenly Chase Brandon of the CIA write a book about Roswell, turn up and start talking about, you know, now he, he went a little far, and I think they re- re- reined him back in, but he had, to, he had to clear the book with the CIA. Now, why would right. the CIA not just stop that in its tracks? Because right. the CIA wants to look like the good guys. They, they don't want to take the rap for the whole truth embargo a- after the announcement is made. And so, you know, again, that's the way it works in this country. Rather than just tell the truth, and say, yep, it's true, and then start moving forward. No, you got to position yourself for right. decades ahead of time and blah, lobby blah, blah. it. Yeah, you got to yeah, position yeah, yourself. Yeah, you got to yeah. lobby it. You got to condition the other uh, people. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 crazy, but you're absolutely right, Stephen. You have to get public awareness ready for it. And you know what? Public relations is really the perfect answer because if if anybody was going to take a huge hit when the announcement of extraterrestrials being a reality was going to be the church. Do you watch much television at all, Angel? Not these days, no. Okay. Well, I, I do because I, you know, I, I'm a political guy, and I watch all the political shows. Uh, Fox. I, I mean, I watch a little Fox. I watch a lot of MS, MSNBC. I watch CNN. Al Jazeera just started up. They're great when we're watching those. In fact, Al Jazeera already makes the other ones look pretty silly. Uh, and guess what? Over the last ten years, particularly in the last five years, you cannot imagine how many ads have been run 
uh, promoting gas, oil, coal, hmm. shale, fracking. Yep. In the, when I was a young man, you had all these ads running where Texaco would run an ad about how great Texaco was and Gulf oil. That's all gone. Forget that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Even if it's a company like BP, the, all these ads have all these nice people and they're just regular people and they're telling you how great the world's going to be you know, and that they're trying to get cleaner energy and all this. But basically they're pushing coal, oil, gas, shale, right. yep. and whatever. And, and the number is astounding. And we're talking hundreds of thousands of ads a month, mm-hmm. right, on every cable station all day long. Sometimes, you know, typically, you know, you can, you can have the same one on five or six at the same time. And the networks, they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars to run these ads, endlessly promoting how wonderful coal. Why are they doing that? The reason they are doing that is public relations. They know that a major change is coming. You know, th- these, these, these executives in these companies are worth tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars. On yep. They have huge lo- lobbyists and influence in Washington. People know that. And then when I say, well, you know, they're kind of then pretty much aware about the ET thing. They say, oh, they wouldn't know that. I'm so pleased. <laughs> they're connected up to yin-yang. And so you know. don't think that the, that the people in the oil companies don't know about the ET presence, don't know about the advocacy movement, don't know the truth embargo could end tomorrow. And so if the truth embargo ends, they know what comes pretty soon after that. Mm-hmm. They know full well how th- th- that a great deal of work has been done on ET energy tech. And that that energy tech is probably going to change the whole situation. And so by running and spending all of this money on these ads, what they're doing is trying to buy themselves some time so that when the government finally admits, you know, those extraterrestrials don't run on oil, it turns out. It turns out that they use an energy system that derives uh, you know, energy from, from essentially the, the, the inner space. And as a result, once we get these things full up and going, we can probably generate power uh, at about one cent on the dollar. Hmm. And oil and gas will eventually be outlawed—not outlawed, but they'll eventually transitioned out of, and we'll, 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 all the air will clean up, and the pollution right. will go away. And the oil companies, are, are, everybody's going to want to say, "Oh, you evil oil companies!" And they're, they're all going to go, "Well, you know, yeah, of course, okay, great, uh, but you know, it's still going to take a while." Right? Let's transition here. Let's don't get carried away. Right. Be nice to us, and so that they can get as they can have as much flexibility and as much concession in the post-disclosure world as possible, so that they don't get pounded too hard. Uh, it's positioning. They are preparing. Now, some will say, "Oh no, they're just trying to make us feel better because one day, if, that, if we don't get a, a sea change here." You know, gasoline will be ten dollars a gallon, and they'll be making a hundred billion dollars a month. And, and a lot of people are going to be mad, and they're going to want to come and blow up their tanker trucks and things like that. Okay, I get that. Maybe they're just trying to soften us up so that when things get really awful, we won't really turn on them. I don't think so. Uh, I think what you're seeing is, you know, uh, 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 an industry that will knows it's going to have to shift its resources to a whole new energy paradigm and make money in a new, new paradigm. It a lot, you know, I mean, we're going to get a lot cheaper energy, but they'll still find ways to make money. And they'll reinvest money. They'll rest money, invest money in energy-related stuff, and they'll do fine. Yeah, they right? reinvent themselves like, yeah, uh, reinvent like they themselves. always should. Yeah. But, but in the meantime, they, they want to try to, you know, make us feel as good about them as possible so that we right. get too angry when we, when we come to f- realize that these companies making these, the, the, all of this money and polluting every every river 
polluting the soil, polluting the groundwater, destroying the oceans and the air and killing lots of people from the effects of this pollution have known that the government had alternative technology for decades and made no effort whatsoever, obviously, to uh, help bring that out because that would have hurt their bottom line. You know, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to connect those dots and they're going to be rather angry about it. Yes. But they're all being softened up by hundreds of thousands of energy support ads running 24 hours a day on virtually every cable channel that has an appropriate demographic. This is exactly what I expected to see in the very last days of the truth embargo. Stephen, you're a fascinating human being. I love having you on the show. And as uh, we you know, gear up to the future here of what we're going to do, I definitely have to have you back on and promote all this stuff. And uh, somebody in the chat room, by the way, before I do let you go because we're, we're already out of time, but um, Zod Ryder in the chat room wants to know how he can get his hands on one of these DVDs once they're available. Oh, no, obviously the website will have them and you can buy them. Actually, you can, you can contribute now and, and crowdfund ahead of time so you'll be one of the first to get them. But, and that's citizenhearing.org. But when they're available, we will put them on a market and start selling them. Uh, but, of course, we will obviously not charge the fine members of Congress. We will send them the DVD sets gratis. Uh, uh, so we wouldn't want them to pay for the truth. Right. But, but, but uh, yeah, there'll be a bit. But it's going to be about 60 more days. 60 more days. There we go. Stephen, thank you so much for being on here, and we will have you back on very shortly. I, I love uh, talking to you, man. You're, you're really uh, doing the right thing my when it comes to, to you. ufology. My best so. to Joe Rogan if you talk to him lately, and uh, all the best with his show. Uh, and, Definitely. You know, I'm, I, I'm happy to talk with any of Joe's buddies or any of the big shots uh, at the uh, you know MMA uh, crowd, though I, I, I'm really – not prepared to get in the ring with anybody, but, but you know, if uh, any of those dudes have, are, are cool on this issue, let's uh, have them call me. Definitely, definitely. Right. Well, Stephen, God Very bless good. you, man. You keep doing your good, the, the work you're doing, brother. Bye. That, ladies and gentlemen, is Steve Bassett again. Uh, just without a doubt, one of the most important people within the world of ufology, uh, the leading advocate to end the embargo. And you know, if he continues on the way he's continuing on. I think he will get to the truth, and uh, we will have disclosure one day. Uh, again, it's still open to you, the listeners, to you, the people out there who believe in the subject, who want this truth to come out. You're the ones that are going to have to put paper to pen, and you're the ones that are pen to paper, I should say, and write to your congressman, write to your con- constituents, uh, write to, to the president, write to anybody you can write to. Make sure they listen. That's so the truth comes out. Guys, we're going to be back next week right here on Inside the Jackal Said again at 10 p.m. Eastern. Sorry we went a little bit over there, guys. Uh, but when it's Stephen Bassett, you kind of just let him go. We will be back with more show next week. Again, I wanted to thank everybody listening in. I want to, again, take this time to uh, say rest in peace to Jesse Marcel Jr., Kevin Smith, and my good friend Joseph Adams, who passed away this past week. Very tragic, uh, sad time uh, this week. And uh, everybody out there listening, you know, if you have loved ones, hold them tight. Say you love them because uh, it could all end from one moment to the other. That is the most important part of life, being with your loved ones. And hopefully all my loved ones, which are all you guys out there listening, and gals, guys and gals, everybody out there listening, you're all my loved ones. And I hope to see you here listening in next week. Until then.
By the way, stick around, guys. We're going to replay the episode. For those of you who missed Steve Bassett live the last two hours, you're going to get to hear it all over again right here on Inside the Jackal's Head.